how can I and my family have the flexibility to be present, to be together when we want to be, to have the flexibility that allows us to put kind of life first. Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm Petra Belzebor, and this is the place to discuss tips, tricks, and hacks to build your resilience through your worst rock bottoms and get you to a place of success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life, professionals, individuals who've been through their own adversity, and allow them to share their authentic and real life stories, opinions, and ideas about how to utilize our worst rock bottoms and allow them to catapult us into success. Welcome to the show. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm so excited and thrilled today to have John Landau on the end of the line. He has helped to grow some of the fastest growing tech startups. He's amazing. He's my guru um, in the UK. And he's now an investment director for New Model Venture Capital, Total Mouthful, looking after a portfolio of early stage businesses, a busy guy. Welcome to the show, yeah. John. Hey there, Petra. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Thanks for the intro. <laughs> it was good. Good little mouthful, which is getting me yeah. warmed up. You're amazing is pretty much what that said. <laughs> I could have just been like, John Landau, amazing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, no, you are. I've appreciated your, your friendship and, and seeing your work develop and also seeing you develop more into your um, authentic self since the time that we've known each other for the past couple of years. So I'm, I'm really excited to showcase your story and the things that you've uh, learned uh, throughout your lifetime. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. what is it about your your business world at the moment that just excites you? What are you passionate about? Uh, as you said, I'm, I'm really passionate about early stage businesses. I've got a really good portfolio of companies that I'm working with now who are uh, growing fast, really good opportunities to uh, to take their businesses global and look at other opportunities. and and. Uh, yeah, my, that's that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. That's what keeps me going is is trying to help great companies scale their business, and 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 that's my you know my background was was going through that, and and yeah, I'm 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 excited about what that looks like. Amazing, and I I just love since we've known each other the way that you mentor and empower people and uh, just just really support their their growth. I can really see that passion. I've always admired that about you. Um, so so let's go into your story. Give us yeah. a, give us a bit of context just about what was it like growing up. So if we just go right back, you know, do you think yeah. parents' education system? Do you think they just set you up for for the real world and the man you are today? Uh, well, I'm not sure about the real world, but certainly, uh, <laughs> certainly, I had I had uh, I I mean, pretty much a, a kind of golden childhood. Really, I mean, I uh, very close knit family. Um, I, I'm an only child, um, so had a very a uh, very close relationship with both my parents, um, my dad's brother as well, who um, were, was who didn't have any kids himself, so he was a very close part of our family. Um, and really, my parents um, were were you know pretty amazingly supportive. They they put me through an amazing education at a, a great private school. Um, I was in every sports team. I was decent enough <laughs> the education side of things to get decent enough grades um and overall I, I really it was a pretty happy pretty golden pretty straightforward childhood 
as you said, I don't necessarily think it set me up for the real world because I think I felt like I was a pretty solipsistic, entitled kind of uh, kind of kid. But uh, that's unfortunately the way that uh, a lot of kids are who go through that type of private education system, I guess. But either way, um, I certainly had a huge amount of advantages going into the world of work. Sure. And there's a whole sidestep there about education in general and whether it provides the emotional intelligence necessary to help us cope in the fast-paced sort of tech-based world now. Yeah, exactly that. And 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 yeah, I, I, I think it took me a long time to realize what the world actually looked like and what I needed to do to, uh, yeah, to, to, to um, well, to work with other people in the right way and to realize actually how I could maximize what, what I can do best rather than just expect things to come to me. And do you think in that education system you had opportunity to build your own resilience through adversity or through challenges? I, I mean, I think so. I had to, obviously, you know, playing sport, playing other things, you kind of you, you, you accept that adversity, you kind of overcome it or you ignore it and you move on to the next thing. But but I think really it was um, uh, the, the thing that was underpinning everything about my childhood was that my uh, my parents, my, my dad built uh, a business himself as an amazing entrepreneur. He built a business from his own bedroom um, and grew it into this um, brilliant company that, that, that um, ran for 35 odd years, employed about 100 people. Um, my mum worked for it. His, his brother worked with him in it as well. So, so everything underpinning my family life was very much about the family business was very much about you know, every holiday we took tended to have a bolt on of let's visit a supplier or let's go and do this and and, and look at a piece of machinery or something like that which I always loved I, I never worried about that particularly every school holiday I would work for the business um, I'd, I'd be up there and working with my family so I'm uh, so I feel like whether my schooling set me up for what I have kind of become in terms of entrepreneurial spirit, certainly my family's business set me up with that kind of entrepreneurial gene. Yeah, okay. And I always envy that um, because there is none of that. Well, I guess we learned resourcefulness traveling all over the world, but definitely not the business thing. I feel like I've got to Google everything and YouTube everything, but we live in such an amazing so, day and age. <laughs> but I just I, I probably am just uh, yeah I, I have I have a certain amount of self-belief that probably my dad drilled into yeah just like you have to have that like faith in yourself even if there's yeah. um less evidence but obviously that's why I hang out with people as you as well, with like you as well because you just like echo this entrepreneurial wisdom um <laughs> <laughs> you honestly do <laughs> Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate the flattery. It's not even shameless flattery. You've obviously made a whole career out of it, of like passing on the wisdom to other people. Um, so let's go. Let's go deep. Uh, let's think about adversity and the themes therein. And yeah. I know you've got a bit of a story of, of sort of surprises yeah. that have hit your life and um, have, yeah. have sort of impacted your, your trajectory and how you've had to pivot yeah. and think about um, looking after yourself in different ways. So talk us through what comes up when we think about adversity and those points. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I think um, pretty much, as I said, up until kind of leaving university and, and, and entering that kind of world of work, I didn't really face a huge amount of uh, anything more than, than, you know, like I said, kind of basic adversity and challenges. No, you know, nothing, nothing that, that, that really was phasing me in life. Um, I, I spent a year in industry after I, I left uni and then 
uh, actually my dad came to me and approached me and said, would I like to join the family business? And uh, it, 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 it kind of concerned me. I, I wasn't certain that I wanted to do that. I'd never really been sure throughout my life, even though I enjoyed being there and seeing it and learning from it. I'd never really thought that was my future. Mm-hmm. But, um, it, you know, I just thought, well, that it would be a good place to learn. It would be a good place to get uh, the additional skills and experience I needed and also to, to take more responsibility earlier in my career. Um, and, and so I, I agreed to, to kind of uh, join the family business. And, and it was it was it was kind of an interesting balance of trying to make sure that I could represent myself rather than just being the boss's son, trying to make sure that that I could build my own career without it just being a reflection of my dad or or, or my family, and also trying to be myself rather than just be um, uh, that 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 you know member of the Landau family doing the same stuff that 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 we have for however many years. Um, and and it was quite a tough job. I mean, I was I was travelling a lot. I was I was away. I was living with my girlfriend in London, but I was having to to, to travel around Europe a lot. I was away quite a lot of the time, travelling around the UK as well. Um, and then uh, I was at a, a conference over in Germany um, for a, a week or so, and and was on my feet for uh, a, a lot a lot of the time, talking to people, multiple languages, going out in the evening for for drinks and dinners with clients, and you know the typical stuff of, of, of going away at a conference and doing everything that you do. And my and my um, feet and my legs were just like lead; they were like blocks of ice. Mm. totally heavy I didn't know what was going on I mean it's freezing cold in Frankfurt in the middle of February I just thought I was cold and tired and whatever and and it just it just didn't and 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 uh, I got back home and it kind of subsided uh, and I noticed that I had there were a few other things I had some numbness in my side I had some numbness in my hands um was struggling quite a lot with fatigue and, and 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 illness generally and, and eventually, um, I had an amazing GP uh, at the time. Who, you know, one of those GPs. I'm not sure they exist anymore. Who really know you individually and are willing to talk to you about, you know, the honesty and and making sure that that they actually know your family history, etc. Sure. Uh, he he just outright said to me that that he thought that it might be multiple sclerosis, um, <clears throat> and I was really appreciative of him being, sorry, excuse me, <clears throat> sorry, um, being honest about it. Sure. Because it gave me the opportunity to to think about what what that might mean. But um, I uh, I pretty much immediately went for a uh, an MRI scan and uh, was uh, immediately straight after that. Pretty much the day after was was told that yeah there were plaques on my brain and and uh, on my spinal cord and it looked like I had MS. Um. And I, well, I mean, I didn't really know what that, what that meant. I, I mean, I didn't really know how to deal with it at the time. I was 23, 24. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, and I'd always had this expectation that I was going to be, you know, rocketing through my career. I was going to be earning loads of money. I was going to be, you know, whether it was running my parents' business when my dad retired or whether it was moving on from that and running something else, whatever it was, I, I, I really felt like I had a trajectory going on. Yeah, the fast track and suddenly, success. Yeah. yeah. It, and suddenly I felt um, 
unsure about what that looked like. I, I mean, I, I had, I went to see an MS nurse straight after my diagnosis and, and she, um, to her credit, I think she was trying to be supportive, but she said, um, you know, there, there are, you know, some people are still working um, uh, part time in their 40s with MS. And I thought to myself, hang on a sec, that's so you mean I don't really have much of a career anymore. I'm going to be disabled. I'm going to be um, uh, I'm going to have to stop. And yeah, I, and I had a really, a really, really, really terrible first year. Um, it was, uh, I was told it was likely going to be relapsing, remitting the, the course of MS because I'd had symptoms and they'd subsided and then, uh, come back again. And I had a really terrible year. I had, so effectively I, I would have weeks where I would be using a walking stick and needing to, mm. uh, and, and struggling to get around. I'd struggle to be getting out of bed. Certainly doing my job was very hard. Traveling around was very difficult to do, um, it put a lot of pressure on my relationship at the time with my girlfriend, um, who was an, an amazing support and, and and is now my wife and mother of my children and, and, and has been my rock throughout. But it obviously puts a lot of pressure on on what that looks like because she's not sure what the future looks like for us. And and, um, and then, but besides the physical aspect of tiredness mm. and and that, I'm I'm curious about like how your brain, like psychologically, was dealing with it. Were you were you able to transition to asking for help to, to handle stairs or to get up or like, what was that bit like? It, it, it was hard. So I asked for, um, obviously, you know, I'm working with my parents and they're being very, very, very supportive as they can be. Sure. Um, they must be in shock too. And, and, and for them, it was an enormous shock. I mean, I, I don't think my mum's recovered from it yet, frankly, right. uh, but, um, but they, they obviously, they were great, but, but obviously as parents, they're worried about things the whole time. So, and they know everything that's going on. So you can't really kind of just ask for reasonable adjustments at work. You've got your parents really worried about you and kind of sure. fussing over you. And it, it doesn't, whilst it's great, it also doesn't really help. But, but the biggest, um, the biggest issue with it really came when, um, the, the kind of financial, crisis started around 2006 2007 um and uh effectively the the family business for for you know because give a long drawn out story of it but effectively the business collapsed um and uh lost some of its key customers and was really struggling to pay the bills uh we had to make a lot of redundancies and then um uh, we needed to look for someone as, as an emergency investor to come and take over the, the the running of the business um and this guy came in um during this period where i'm really not sure what things look like for me um and he came into the business and and just made me the scapegoat for everything that was wrong with the company um ms is even though if, if even if you're you're sometimes struggling to get around it's an invisible illness i don't look any different i don't i'm not in a, in a wheelchair i'm not yeah um but he he just saw that as weakness i mean and he said as such he just said you're being weak get on with it you just want to spend more time in bed with your girlfriend i'm not interested in in making any adjustments for your life you're either working or you can piss off and uh it, effectively that the what it ended up doing was putting me in in the position this is where the psychological aspect comes into it more is it put me in a position where i now have um 
the uh, the kind of 55% owner of my family's business discriminating against me. It's the first time I've ever felt any discrimination in my life. As I said, I've, I've, I've had all these advantages all my life. I've yeah. never had anything like this happen. Um, I've got this, this guy really being awful to me. Um, my parents can't really make anything change with that because this guy is basically, you know, kind of helping them to save their business. At the same time, the business was still collapsing even with his support he was useless frankly and um they were you know we were considering well my parents going to be able to keep their house are they going to be able to keep their savings because you know suddenly uh, i'm thinking not just am i losing potentially my ability for my career in the future i'm also losing my family's business potentially my inheritance potentially yeah. loads of stuff that i've kind of made assumptions about in my life so it's all sort of crumbling around you and your body isn't strong enough in a way to yeah. to fight harder and to push harder you've got to exactly. this, like i've got to slow down like recalibrate my entire life and i can't assume any handouts or any support from anywhere else anymore no exactly and 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 on top of that with this discrimination I'm effectively threatening to take my own family's business to employment tribunal because I, I'm in this position that I, I'm stuck. I, I haven't got any support. I can't do my job. I'm effectively being constructively dismissed. And how did that affect relationships? It was really hard. It was, it was, it, it was really very, very difficult. My, um, I, I ended up leaving the business and, 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 and settling with the business and, and, and moving on. But it really was a choice or it felt like a choice in, in the end we worked it out, but, but it took some time for those wounds to heal with my family. Um, both for them losing the business as well as, uh, as well as the way that I was treated or that they felt that I had to behave. Yeah. But, but effectively it felt like a choice at the time of, do I retain my family relationships and strive to do what I can to save the business or do I potentially lose those relationships and focus on me and my girlfriend at the time and my relationship and my life in the future? And, and I was like an impossible decision. Yeah, I mean, I, it was it was so hard. I was I was drinking loads. I was drinking at least a bottle of wine a night. I remember I was I was barely eating anything. I lost a huge amount of weight. Yeah, and just the stress and the worry and everything. And I didn't seek counselling at the time. And I wish now. With hindsight, I really wish I'd have sought counselling. I wish I'd have spoken to somebody. Was that uh, even on your radar, like as far as being a man and and being, you know, on this fast track track to success? Was it even like I haven't thought about it, but I'm not going to do it? No, yeah, wasn't. Just literally never even came into my mind. No, uh, whether, just soldier on. Uh, yeah, whether it's just a guy thing, whether it, I, I have no idea, but but it was a it was one of those scenarios where, in with hindsight, I should have spoken to someone. I didn't. And uh, it took its toll, but um, I, I was able to move on to the next kind of chapter with a huge slice of luck, effectively, that, 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 that moved me on. Um, so I, uh, one, of my, uh, one of my friends who I'd been talking to for a little while down in London um, had got uh, uh, six months uh, of kind of angel venture capital money to try and build a business with with his business partner 
and and these two great guys, Andy McLaughlin and Alistair Mitchell. Um, and uh, they um, they needed someone to come in and help them with business development and with operations and just setting things up just to, to help them get started and see if they could make something of this business. And frankly, I, I just had nothing to lose at the time. I, I was transitioning out of this job. I wanted to be in London. I wanted to be as far away from the family business sure. and frankly, the family for a little while as I, as I could be. And, and so I just, an opportunity, right? Just, an opportunity it's come out of the blue if it's six months working with a couple of young guys great I, I sat down with them I told them it was I was nervous about telling them about MS but because you know they they just got it they, they were just like you know whatever you need it's absolutely fine we're you know we're we're, we're just going to try and do what we can with this and and uh it, yeah kind of make it as easy as possible I mean their their whole mindset was about changing the, the whole model of work that we can have flexibility that the internet was blossoming and you know we can use you know um, um, the tools that we're trying to build and, and and be able to work remotely more effectively um, sounds perfect. And, sorry sounds sorry, perfect. Sorry again. Sounds perfect. yeah it, it, it was in theory it was perfect and 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 I was I was really really motivated to make it happen and and basically we built this absolutely incredible business called huddle and uh, within a few months of, of starting, we'd won loads of customers and we'd raised another couple of million pounds in, in venture capital funding to, to build out the teams. And um, within, you know, a few years after that, we'd raised around 50 million in additional venture capital. And we've got offices in San Francisco and New York and, uh, and DC and we're, and we're a global business and we've got, you know, nearly 200 staff and, and, and I'm, absolutely at the center of something again and my career is skyrocketing and, and this just came out of just grabbing that one opportunity that just came up at the right time for me um and i think uh that that was obviously hugely important for me huge slice of luck hugely important for me and for my confidence That's and i guess thinking, uh, confidence and identity and feeling a sense of belonging and not like an outcast or like your illness is now going to stop you but feeling purposeful about something exactly and and having that having that sense of <clears throat> huddle's mission being this changing the world of work changing the way people collaborate actually allowing me to think about how someone with ms could also change the way of other people who have disabilities being able to utilize technology to help them as well. So it kind of started that mission for me sure. as around how, um, uh, how you view people as individuals in businesses and how you help them to be able to have the flexibility they need. I come from a very stuffy old school uh, business into something totally modern and technological and, and different. And I fitted into that perfectly. And and yeah. so I just want to highlight. You were saying you were you were drinking heavily. You were maybe um, uh, unhappy, avoiding maybe the acceptance of the fact that you had MS. And so you get this opportunity. And I'm just wondering, did that stuff balance out? Did you now just go, yes, I now have this perfect work life, acceptance of my illness, no counselling necessary, life is fine. <laughs> What was the undercurrent? Also, because we work in new businesses, like I work in tech yeah. startups, I have a new business. Like I know that the culture is like drive hard, drive fast. Like I'm just wondering how that, that works. That's it, and 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 frankly, 
yeah, I mean, when, when we look at that, that uh, our culture was typical startup, work hard, play hard. Right. Um, and, and we worked bloody hard and we played even harder. Right. Yeah. Uh, and frankly, I forgot about it, right? I was, I was still struggling with MS. I was still having, and still today, I have, I have relapses two or three times a year where I struggle to walk where I'm where I I need kind of time away from work I it's still something I struggle with I I don't I'm not great at that um keeping active mentally and physically really helps the MS and it's something that I'm conscious of as well but you've had had to learn I wouldn't say the intake of alcohol particularly reduced during the period of working for a cool tech startup we had kind of parties events most nights of the week most most of the time uh, stuff to do we were right at that center of that london tech so growth that 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 amazing period of time where we could kind of say we're gonna put on an event for other tech startups and we'll get 200 people to come along just to have a talk and have a few beers together and then that blossoms out into its own little company that can go you know we've got yeah. all of the amazing people around us um and and i would say so so by 2009 time let's uh, uh, kind of take it to there i'm i'm absolutely i'm sky high i'm not i'm not looking after myself particularly right. i'm i but but i'm loving life the the counseling aspect is blown out of the water because frankly i'm having the most amazing time right. um right. and and i'm doing something purposeful um but uh i did forget about my health and my body rebelled in a way that perhaps i wasn't particularly expecting um so uh yeah kind of pivot this story slightly into the next phase of of kind of adversity that sure. that, that that time so i was uh i was in the gym um in must have been around october november time in 2009 and uh uh 2008 nine can't remember exactly now i'm rubbish at dates sure. um but uh, I was sat in the gym and, and I, I felt uncomfortable and I felt a lump and um, I thought that wasn't there yesterday, even probably. And uh, I went to the GP and this wasn't a very good GP who is the family doctor who knows everything and is willing to do everything to help. This is uh, a, a, a GP in South London who's got 10 minutes to kick you out of his surgery. Yeah. And he just said, oh, it's just an infection. What do you think it is? Well, I'm worried it might be something uh, with a big C in front of it. No, don't worry. It's, a, it's an infection. Nonsense. Take some antibiotics. Two weeks later, it's just getting bigger. And and I'm seriously, seriously worried. And uh, I, I went to get a second opinion and was basically uh, told pretty much immediately that, that, that it's cancer um and that they need to operate and and uh and and get on with it and so i uh uh, it pretty much the next day i had uh an operation had had a had my testicle um uh removed uh and was uh suddenly uh, and you have that horrible way you're told it's cancer or or that it's a tumor and you're you know, I, I was very lucky to be rushed into to hospital and 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 have very quick surgery. And but then you have that wait, and you have that period of time where you're sat there, 
thinking. What goes on in your head? And 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 that's it. So I mean, suddenly I'm not just uh, I'm not just thinking about the MS stuff that's yeah. been trying and that I've basically pushed to one side in my life for 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 right or wrong. I'm now I'm now not just considering the future of of what my career looks like or or what my health looks like. I'm now thinking about actually, am I going to survive? Uh, I, I'm having to tell my parents that I, I've got cancer mm-hmm. and that I don't know what the pathology looks like yet, but it, it's obviously grown quite quickly and, you know, I've been rushed into hospital. Um, I'm having to face up to the, you know, however old I was then, we're having to talk about, uh, you know, we thought about having children uh, in the event of my death, should we freeze some sperm so that my wife might be able to have my children? Yeah. In, in um, and and you're just having these conversations, and these decisions you just have no blueprint for making. Yeah, and and you're just absolutely at a loss. Um, but I, I mean, and and uh, I guess the the pathology came back, and it was it, it was a very uh, it's the worst type of of um, uh, of kind of testicular cancer. It was a a, um, a very fast growing um, um, cancer, but they thought and, and hoped they'd got rid of it all. Um, but um, I, I, you, you still have that every and and I mean, weirdly enough, my MS uh, stopped me from having chemotherapy because my my uh specialists um uh told me that it, basically there's a 99 point whatever percent chance if i have a six-week uh chemotherapy course that the whole thing will go away and and and, and won't come back again and, and make sure that we've we've nuked it <coughs> or if i uh if i don't do if i don't take chemo and, and the chemo might interact with with my nervous system and might make my MS condition worse for the future, um, or there's decision like yeah no. an eighty chance you know of, of 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 it not coming back anyway and we'll just monitor you closely. What it basically means is every three months you're coming back in for blood tests and having that nervous wait again every three months for the next five years to see whether anything's come back or whether 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 things are happening whether you're going to need the chemo anyway. But I mean, look, I'm, I'm amazingly lucky. Sure. I am, as of a few weeks ago, I'm 10 years clear of, of, of cancer and, and feel amazingly lucky that that uh, that's the case. Um, but at the time, you're sitting there thinking, right, uh, now, now what? Now what? I've got, you know, this amazing company, massive opportunities. We're growing this business. I'm right at the center of this business that, that we're growing. Um the team, the team there are amazingly supportive. I mean, they're incredibly supportive. Take whatever time off you need. Take whatever you want to do. We'll support you. Don't worry about it. But but if I remember correctly, that's not what you did. No, no. I I took two weeks off work. Yeah. I was I was back in the office in my pajamas, taking meetings because I needed to prove myself. And I'm such an idiot. <laughs> Look back to at this. who and why? Like, what was in your mind? Like, were you, was it FOMO? Were you like just going, "I'm going to go backwards yeah. if I'm not present"? 
my my biggest problem in life is FOMO. I think I, I I hate that. I've always been the guy who wants to be last standing at the bar, who wants to be on the dance floor, who wants to be, you know, uh, there at the end. I don't want to miss a single second of anything. So this must and, feel like the universe was just being cruel. Yeah, playing yeah, tricks fun. on you. I just absolutely thought I've either I've not looked after myself properly, or or someone is saying Johnny tough shit <laughs> move on you can't keep do- doing this but i just refused and 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 again i you know i didn't really i didn't really think much about it i just did it i didn't want to be benched i didn't want to be the guy who who gave up i didn't want to be the person who who said i'm not strong enough to get through this but but oh yeah i i still don't really know how i reconciled all of that frankly and, and the, the title, just like, I didn't want to be benched, like the fear that if you're not showing up at the same capacity in exactly the same way as everyone yeah. else within your culture or everyone else you assume is showing up in that way, that yeah. somehow that's a mark against you. Um, exactly. Yeah. And, and I think it's really interesting because that, that's kind of, um, it, it, it's made me think about what, uh, what that looks like, because I think one of the things that I'm really clear about uh, that I didn't realize at the time that I do realize now, especially with an invisible condition like MS, is that everyone has problems that they bring to work. Everyone has something. And just because you don't own up to your something to people doesn't mean that you're not experiencing it. It doesn't mean that they're not experiencing something themselves. And actually, that level of, you know, we've talked about authenticity a lot, that level of showing authenticity and being able to understand that other people have problems, whether they're big capital letter things like MS and the big C, or whether they're simply, you know, their they, relationships breaking up or, yeah. or, 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 or you know, they're struggling to find to live next or whatever it is. Yeah. Everyone is bringing something, some fear, some problems, some issues right. to, yeah. the, the, to work with them. And I think I never realized that. I just always assumed everyone else around me is perfect and really strong. And I've got to prove myself to be perfect and strong myself. Otherwise, everybody's thinking that, aren't they? In this comparing sort of culture of like, let's put our mask on and assume that, you know, and assume what's the saying? We compare our insides to other people's outsides. It's not like a fair comparison. Right. And and I love what you're saying. It's like noticing that everyone has a story or a something can act as a connecting point so that we can actually support each other, be more productive even, and, and create greater businesses, but through a place of authentic support and connection. Exactly. It's understood to, to build that culture. And, and so, I, I mean, I, I left Huddle in 2013 in the end when I realized that, I mean, I was spending so much of my life. We, we'd actually, my wife and I had then had our first um, our first kid, um, which was was amazing to be able to do that, um, uh, uh, and we uh, and I was having to travel internationally a lot. I was basically working on San Francisco time as well as London time, and it was really that was that was taking its toll on 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 me. And and um, uh, I yeah, I was I, I kind of it was just the opportunity. It was just the right time to think. You know, I, I I've helped build this absolutely outstanding international business. Um, but I think I need to take stock over things and think about life a little bit more. And I'd never given myself that opportunity to, to take stock. So I actually, I took three months off completely from, 
uh, from work. Um, uh, I was lucky enough to have have that money in my back pocket and, and actually went and lived for a month of that um, on, on Lake Como, just got a house in Italy and lived on Lake Como. And I just, it just gave me an opportunity to be with my, my little boy uh, who was 18 months at the time, just yeah. um, hang out and think what's next. What do I want? What do I want to do? How do I want to do that in a way that I can be that authentic person, be that person that I know I need to be built that flexibility in for myself, but also show that and offer that for people around me so that I'm building that culture that I think the world of work can look like in the future. And I ended up um, taking a, an opportunity with, with, with another a friend of mine who'd also come out of, of, of Huddle as well and started um, a, a business and, and was looking for a, a partner to come in and help him um, build, uh, build that business. And so again, I, I, I'd spent uh, you know, the five years from, from that period with him building an, another amazing technology startup where uh, smaller than huddle, but yes. Know. And something I've realized that is meaningful to you. And I'm hearing the, you created space and you made a decision based on what was going to work for you and your family, that your perspective changed somewhat based on sort of facing the, the sea and the possible death in the face and that that slowly impacted you. But I'm curious if, you would in uh, this might seem like a silly question but in those like diagnoses the the doctor's rooms the alcohol the trying to cope like would you could you point to any kind of rock bottom or catalyst moment where you just went fuck this has like i've i've got to take responsibility and put in the things to change or to give myself any hope of a decent life um i, I think in a way that came a little bit uh, it came at the end of this uh, this last startup when I was leaving this 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 last business um, called Wazoku, which which was an amazing five years of of my life again of building this company. But um, but I think that that uh, I, I don't know whether it's a rock bottom or whether it's that I, I wouldn't characterize it necessarily as as that, but just that I think it's a realization. Yeah. for me of yeah. um maybe it's just growing up maybe it's just suddenly suddenly being able to own up to it and say do you know what this this is not something that i want to keep thinking is holding me back and i and i don't i i think for that period i i, I don't think it i felt like that but i just think i know that i have to make adjustments for me in my life i haven't got it perfect by any means i i um, uh, but I think having children, uh, and we've had a, a you know a, another kid now um, seven months ago, so I've, I'm kind of going through that that early stage parenthood thing again now. Yeah. Um, but I think those having kids makes you realise, I think, obviously that that you know I want to be around, I want to be present, I I don't want to be um, uh, an absent father for them I don't want everything to be about work and I think maybe maybe it takes it back to to my childhood myself and and the fact that everything about my childhood everything about the way that my upbringing was was about work was about the family business was about everything being tied to that and I think the realization that I 
I don't want that to be the thing that drives my life, my relationship with my kids, my familial circumstances. I want that to be about actually how can I and my family have the flexibility to be present, to be together when we want to be, to have the flexibility that allows us to put kind of life first. Amazing. Um, and so you've, yeah. you've obviously, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 please. Go ahead. So you've obviously learned some, some lessons just around, you know, how to reflect. And of course you've had some catalyst moments just as far as your family developing, being in a mm -hmm. position where you could make more choices because of how you've invested in work and, and that sort of thing. Um, mm. What would you say, like, what are the biggest things that you've learned that all this adversity has taught you? And what do you try and put in place now? to Because yeah. it's all good and well having the epiphanies, right? And then it's the day-to-day, -day, like, how do we sustain that? What, how do you know what you need? Um, I think you have had some therapy. Like, what are the things that you, you try and put in place or, or that have helped? Yeah, so, so um, for me, I think it's, uh, if I look back um, at that clarity, it's realisation that success for me equals freedom. Um, and that's a mantra that, that my, my wife and I just, just live to. I, I think I always made the assumption as uh, uh, growing up and, 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 and when I first started in the world of work that success meant wealth and status and um, uh, that, yeah, that, that, that was what most people are striving for. That's what everyone's striving for and that, that I should be on the top of that heap. And... Uh, I think the realization that for me, I'm, I, I am capable of having whatever I, I need from my career, but actually the most important thing to me is the freedom to, um, yeah, to be with, to, to be myself, to be with my family, to, to be present and not feel like, I'm concerned all the time about how much money I have in the bank or what people think of me or how strong I am or, or that one. type of the worrying, yeah. And it's so rife in society, the thinking, the, the making decisions based on what we think other people are thinking of us rather yeah. than connecting to our true self, what we need and the impact that we want to have in the world. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, I'm still not, I'm not the, the, not perfect about this at all. I still have that FOMO, feeling i will still be the guy who wants to be there you know uh, kind of at, at 2 a.m having a drink with people you know i've got a christmas party coming up uh, this this week with with yeah. with work and 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 you know i'm i'm starting to take those steps but i need to do so much more still but but that realization around success equals freedom is something that i just live my life to now completely um and I think things like that. So moving into this this role with with a VC firm, I work a, a much more flexible schedule. I work a, I work four days um, uh, in the week, and and try and be very very flexible with my schedule about where I am, how I am, how how I'm in contact with people. And frankly, there's just no issue anymore. I mean, you know, you can be online at any time, doing whatever you need to be. I, I'm present at all times. I don't need to be physically there yeah. in order present um and it's something that I, I i i'm absolutely passionate about as uh, the next business that i dive into and 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 go and build myself i'm 
absolutely going to make sure that there's the opportunity of everybody in that business being able to work a four day week as opposed to a five day week. I honestly believe that um, the five day working week is not healthy for everybody. For some people, it might be right. And, and, and they, they want that. But if people want that flexibility to explore other opportunities for themselves, whether they be um, money making opportunities, or whether they just be life broadening things that they can do, having that additional time in a week is just so important for me. So uh, I, I want to offer that to other people as well um, at, at some point in my working career. Um, of course, uh, just because I work in businesses, other employers would be like, heresy, um, you know, that will, that's going to impact your bottom line and your productivity. And how could we but, but run a business that, this way? Is, is, is nonsense. <laughs> because if you, take, <laughs> if you take 20% of the working week away from people, you've got 20% extra uh, money to bring additional people into your business who will offer additional, um, additional ideas and additional help. It's not saying that everyone leaves on a Thursday, it's, but, but it's saying that if your entire workforce has the opportunity to be innovative and creative themselves, and you've got additional people there who are also doing four-day weeks, the money's still the same. You've just got a much more motivated, much more innovative workforce. So I'll put that argument back across at the relevant time into, uh, <laughs> into yeah, whatever business no, I'm course. working. And we could do a whole podcast just on the workplace and how that yeah. needs to sort of uh, develop and change. Yeah. Um, finally, what, what advice would you give to your younger self? So if you think of those pivotal moments where, you know, you, you did go hard on the drink or you did avoid or you like going back to your business and having your family business and the interactions <laughs> there, like what is the, the wise Johnny now? look back and go, dude, if you'd only done, if you only knew, yeah. you know, what would you, what would you say? I, I certainly think that, that, um, the, the, the idea of focusing on status and focusing on, um, uh, not, not having that, that level of understanding of what vulnerability can actually bring to help you in your life rather than hiding everything being honest being authentic being in a position to if, if i own that i can take it forward and do something with it if i hide it it's just going to be a weakness that's you know kind of shadowing things for me i i wish i could have told myself that but i i you know i know in reality i was 23 24 years old i wasn't going to listen to my older yeah, self any day <laughs> the way it is um I, I also think i mean i have I, I i like the idea of not thinking too big as well i like the idea of working in these small circles i mean i work with small companies and i i, I work with small teams of people and i think that's um where you get you know kind of think about that kind of ripple effect of of working in these uh these small groups if i can influence some people around me with that thought process of um, uh, thinking about flexibility, thinking about authenticity, thinking about what people bring to work themselves and the burden that they have and how we create that culture that allows everyone to succeed anyway. Um, if I can influence a few people around me to take that on, if they're 23, 24 now, and they're able to take that on when they become leaders in their own businesses in future, hopefully that will that ripple effect will 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 go on, and I, again, I think 
my younger self was probably thinking too big thought well i can't have any impact can i what can i do i'm just you know it's impossible everything's you know thinking about things internationally or glo- you know, but but actually being able to say no do you know what I, I can't influence at that level that's fine actually what i can influence in is people who haven't thought this way before who might take this on in future themselves and 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 that to me i think is 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 a really important yeah aspect of my future work I love it. Um, and so do you think that there was purpose in your adversity or that you would be the man that you are today with the impact that you're generating had you not gone through some of the things that you've been through? Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, yeah, I think I, I think I would have been a total idiot if I hadn't have experienced the type of adversity that I have. I, I, I will experience more challenges in life. I know that. I know I'm not perfect at this stage, but um, I, yeah, I, I don't like who I thought I was going to become yeah. <laughs> when I was in my teens. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm really quite pleased that, that I am who I am now and that I've experienced that and I can try and take that forward. Um, and, and yeah, I've kind of hopefully thrown that old Johnny off and, and, and yeah, I'm better for it. And I have to say, we probably wouldn't be friends if you weren't on that journey. <laughs> yeah, I'm, certain, I'm certain about that. I think very <laughs> different set of friends but uh maybe even none at all who knows uh but no and 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 exactly and it's been a pleasure working with you and 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 kind of trying to uncover some of this in myself and and i really appreciate your advice and your help it's been amazing um it's been great seeing your your progress just as far as authenticity and and showing up fully thank you so much for your vulnerability today hey, you're giving us the, the full uh, set of johnny's story and what's impacted you Hopefully we'll have you on again sometime to talk workplace and what needs to change. Yeah, I'd love to. Need to I need to write a thesis on it and then we can uh, we can come back to Let's it. Let's do it. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks, Petra. Thanks for listening to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Please do subscribe and review on iTunes. Every comment makes a difference. We really appreciate hearing from you. And please do get in touch through petravelzebor.com if you're interested in any training, coaching, therapy, or just to join the community and get more information on ways that you can build your own resilience. Until next time.